0: Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Camp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. So in the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speakers' secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated SLIDE group with a growing number of founders, experts and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest In the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email Guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening, I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show! Hi everyone, to celebrate our episode number 30, we're speaking with Pippa Galway, founder and director at Zero Carbon Capital. The fund, based in the UK, invests in early stage companies that are on a mission to fix climate change through deep science innovation. So if you're an awesome team with breakthrough ideas that could be scaled to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by half of a gigaton per year, get in touch with them as they could be your future partner for growth. I was super excited to have Pipa on the show, who is an incredible woman, a mother, an investor supporting early stage climate tech founders, and who has been motivated since her early days to try to, to make the world a better place. During this episode, you will learn more about her unique story that began by working in finance, then for eBay in the UK, and her move to Silicon Valley with her family. It was there that she started to angel invest in early-stage companies which fight climate change through scientific innovation prior to launching zero-carbon capital back in Europe. Piper will share an overview of the climate tech ecosystem today, where we are at, and what needs to happen to ensure the climate tech ecosystem can fully support the 2050 net zero goal. During the show with us, she will cover in detail how they select and support founders and how they measure the impact that they base their investment decisions on. Then, she will highlight underdog areas in climate tech in which she sees exciting potential for investments and growth. Finally, Pipa will share her view on the important role women can play in the climate tech ecosystem and how you can get involved in the growing climate tech movement today. In the second part of the show, Pippa will give a secret sauce for founders seeking to fundraise and pitch investors successfully. Then Pippa will cover how she tackled challenges to maintain a healthy work-life balance as a mother, founder and an investor. Hi welcome to the show. Hi Pipa. welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. We are super honored and excited to have you uh, here with us today, uh, as you are part of uh, this growing number of incredible women uh, fighting climate change.
1: Uh, hi Kiam, and uh, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. It's really great to be here.
0: <laughs> thank you so much. So before we start, uh, as usual, uh, could you please give us a 30 second introduction about Zero Carbon Capital?
1: Yes, so Zero Carbon Capital is an early stage investor supporting hard tech companies that are on a mission to solve climate change with technology innovation.
0: So let's start from the, from the top. Can you tell us a bit more about, you know, your personal uh, story and background? Uh, as we, mm-hmm. as I say, uh, during the show, we like to put the, the human back into the, the center of the uh, interview. So what are you passionate about? Are, what do you do besides work and being a successful uh, investor? What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? I mean, who is Pippa?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's going straight in at the deep end there. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh i've I've always been really motivated by trying to make the world a better place and trying to help other people um and i think you know when i was younger i um was very passionate about uh, poverty alleviation and um yeah the inequalities you you see in the world and i think um you know as i've I've got older i've got more and more uh focused in on climate change being the thing that is going to, to to disproportionately impact all of those other things that I care about. So, you know, f- fixing that is is the the highest priority um because it's going to make everything else so much worse. So So that's a bit of a heavy answer. Uh in terms of, you know, <laughs> <laughs> other things that I enjoy, um you know, we we have a two relatively young children um love hanging out with them uh they they make the world a better place themselves um and inspire me to try and do better every day um and i love you know i love being outside so we do a lot of hiking and sailing um and you know mucking around we live near the water so we're lucky to you know spend a lot of time mucking around on the water um and hanging out with friends
0: fantastic so uh, in terms of uh, the different you know uh, work and life uh, experience prior uh, zero carbon capital I mean what did you learn during that uh, that journey that gave you uh, in a way an edge to launch uh, to launch the firm
1: yeah so you know my I think if anybody looked at my CV there's not an obvious straight line and I think it's um I like to talk about that because I think people who are starting out on their career kind of think like it it is going to be kind of straight up to the top right. And it's, and it's, you know, it rarely is. I think, you know, it's often quite a zigzaggy path and uh, it's, it's a lifelong journey to try and understand more about you and what you're passionate about and what you're good at. um, And, you know, kind of narrowing in on, on that thing that you really want to do. uh, And then it might change again. So, you know, I think it's, we shouldn't kind of have those expectations for ourselves. Um, So I started off by studying engineering, um, and I went into financial services after that, uh, then worked in um, internet technology product design for a while, um, working with some really awesome um, human-centered design uh, specialists. Uh, And so my job there was really kind of distilling what we learn about people into business insights um, and product recommendations for um, for the websites um i did that for an agency that i ran and uh, um, then worked for ebay doing that set up a team kind of to give those insights to the business um and then we we moved to california with my my husband's job um when i was on maternity leave and um i ended up spending a few years while the, the kids were little um just kind of focusing on them and um when i was kind of ready to kind of engage uh engage my kind of professional self again i looked around at what i could do and was really keen to make sure that i didn't compromise on that desire to do something about climate change um and was trying to work out what i could do that would have the biggest impact and kind of took stock and said, right, OK, I've got I've got a technical brain. Um, you know, I, I have um, some scientific knowledge um, and I've, 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 you know, for the last 10 years, had jobs where I was managing people, um, then understanding how people work, kind of having those insights um, and uh, really working as an analyst. So taking uh, insights from from specialists, from from, you know, kind of technical, scientific people um, and turning them into business insights. Um, And you know, because I was mulling over what what can I do with these skills, you know? (laughs) And uh was was really drawn to um the decarbonisation technology side, um like so solving the problem of climate change um through technology innovation. And still it didn't quite click. Um and we were living in Palo Alto, it's kind of a side side part of this joke where you know, like there are VCs on every street corner and it's basically you know, investing in companies is in the water. Um and I still didn't quite click. Um, and then finally one day my, my husband and said to me, "Like, why don't you um, try angel investing in uh, in these early stage companies and get involved in them um, and help them as a you know as a mentor?" Um, and it it still felt like something completely alien to me. Uh, but I kind of checked it out and went on a few courses um, about impact investing and realised that this was. thing that i was looking for that that brought together all of the skills i had um and would enable me to have the impact i wanted to have on on the world so um decided that you know investing in early stage companies that were trying to to solve climate change with scientific innovation and it's it's it is perfect for me i absolutely love it it means i get to hang out with uh really smart young scientists who are coming up with great ideas um and uh you know creating that Uh, innovation pipeline that we will need to get to to net zero. Um, I get to try and help them. Um, And you know, for me, I'm quite a generalist. I I like looking very broadly at a, a scenario. So you know, for me to get to, you know, delve into the, the technology side and the IP protection and the, the legal agreements and the, the human issues and the financials and, you know, then to try and make that all into a, like, do we invest in this company kind of decision, um, you know, I think it is something that really appeals to me because there's so, so many different things to, to look at and try and bring together.
0: That's exciting. And, and can you... Maybe, I mean, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, like, uh, make the world a better place. Now you described this uh, this fantastic journey uh, in Palo Alto and, and prior to that in, uh, in in the UK and starting to get involved into the uh, the climate, like, uh, I would say, ecosystem. But can... Do you have any like I don't know like a specific aha moment uh, that you can recall or would define as such that really was in a way the driver for you to to jump into the the climate tech industry, or is this really yeah. this succession of uh, of event and experiences? Yeah,
1: and it, I think the aha moment for me, as as many people I think of of my generation was was an inconvenient truth, um, the Al Gore film. So I think before that, you know, climate change was something I was aware of and I thought it was a problem, but you know I think that was just such a slap in the face to say, like, you know, the, the size of the problem, and that it was unequivocally coming, you know, from from, from human action, and, and how rapidly it was going to, to get worse, and what the impacts would be. Um, and that was really that, like, oh, you know, this is what I have, this is, I often say this, the, the, the problem of our generation to, to, to solve, right? we can't, we can't let this go unchecked.
0: Yeah, definitely, and uh, and I think Cup Cup 26 is even like a, a big uh, reminder for all of us that uh, it's not only about uh, the politics, but we all need as uh, you know private citizens and uh, business leaders to uh, to yeah. take the leap. So let's take a, a zoom out uh, here a little bit, uh, and I'd like to go with you a little bit and get your understanding of the uh, climatic ecosystem today, uh, if mm-hmm. you could. You know, tell us a little bit, um, you know, where are we at in terms of maturity in the uh, (coughs) ecosystem? I mean, what needs to happen to have the the climate ecosystem being, Mm. in a way, mature enough to to support the deployment of those new emerging or existing uh, tech at scale with this target of, uh, you know, the net zero goal of uh, 2050? Uh, Maybe you can give us a little bit like this uh, overview on the UK landscape and European level or or larger, uh, up to you.
1: Yeah, so you know I, st- I started investing in the us and uh you know when, when i came back to the uk i found that you know there were definitely some things which are like more developed in the uk um for example the, go- the government policies um and to a certain level the kind of consumer awareness and acceptance um but the, the vc ecosystem uh, and the climate investing ecosystem more broadly was definitely more more developed in in America. We were in California, which is you know kind of not really America. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it was very progressive in terms of incubators, accelerators, um, you know, and smart money going into to like into the, the fundamental problems. Um, and don't get me wrong, I mean there's plenty of um, you know subpar startups out there um as there are everywhere you know i think i think this is one of the issues with climate change is there's a lot of um well-meaning people going into it uh, who what you know want to start a company um and somewhere along the line their ambitions get kind of squashed down a bit and they end up doing something that is Going to improve the efficiency of something a little bit, or it's like a, it's a nice to have, and it's kind of maybe it's part of part of a solution to a small part of it, and they kind of they lose the the kind of big vision of like right we've we've got to hit the big stuff, and we've got to be solving the fundamental problems, um and the rest of it is kind of nice to have, um so I think I think too many companies um lose lose that focus, um and you know and I think there are some investors who um think well or some uh, people in general who think, well, shouldn't we just do all of it? You know, all of the above. And it's like, well, you know, yes, uh, if there are no regrets, things we can do, and they're not taking resources away from bigger p- parts of the 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 solution, then absolutely, let's do them all. Um, but the problem is that often they do take resources away from more fundamental problems, um, and whether that's in, you know the the attention of uh, a consumer that I think right well I'm 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 I've, I've stopped using plastic straws now so I don't need to worry about anything else or it's you know I've I've um I've gone vegan uh, that means the rest of it's that's, that's it you know if that's taking all of my energy um that that I have to to to, to kind of address this problem uh, and you're not attacking the, the biggest things in your life that you're doing about climate change. And the same thing is true at um, you know, a company level and a government level. You, know, you can get distracted and end up not picking resources um, in, in the best place. So, you know, I think we we need to keep that that focus.
0: So let's go into the, the specific of uh, zero carbon capital. Uh, can you let us know a little bit more about it? I mean, you mentioned already uh, the, 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 the story a little bit and what uh, led you to, to, to start. At, but if you can uh, cover a little bit uh, deeper, like uh, really how did it start and with mm. who did you start it? And, and, that, yeah. and how did you start this? Uh, I mean, what is the thesis that you, uh, you put together to, to start investing?
1: Yeah, so I started investing, as I said, as an angel investor in the US and, you know, kind of learned uh, fairly gradually working alongside other investors who had more experience. <clears throat> so um, with uh, other angel investors, uh, angel groups, and then kind of small funds, um, and then learning from people in the ecosystem. Like there, there were some amazing resources in the Bay Area, like the, um, the Cyclotron Road or Activate program at Berkeley. Um, so there were, you know, lots of uh, kind of accelerators and and groups were which were uh, really finding and supporting like really phenomenal um, startups and. Um, you know when i came back to the uk as i mentioned it was kind of struggled to find the same sort of thinking and the underlying thesis is really around um like focusing on on hard technologies because there is a there is a gap there um most vcs have you know got burnt by the first clean tech bubble and have kind of been learning over the last 30 years to focus on software and they've kind of forgotten about how to invest in other things which is which is curious because, you know, VC started off by investing in, in hard things. And we have, you know, all of these amazing companies like Marconi and Intel. And, you know, we look at the world around us and it's all full of big, hard things. And now we think like software is going to solve everything. And it's like I'm not diminishing the role that software or AI or, you know, SaaS can play because there are some very important, um, you know, Tools that we can get from that that skill from that set, but like to think that we're going to fix climate change completely with with um, software is is insane. Um, so you know I don't really understand the, the the VCs who are going out there saying right we we want to solve the big problems of mankind you know just using AI. I mean we, we clearly need more um, physical innovation as well. So we're focusing on that as a as a as our thesis to say right hard tech, um, and we're looking for things which are going to have a big carbon emission impact so uh, we use the sort of half gigaton a year um filter which is similar to like breakthrough and some other um big climate tech investors and just to kind of drill down on that a little bit we're not saying that every company we're investing is is going to abate a half gigaton of carbon emissions clearly not because um if that was true we'd pretty much have fixed it by now with just our portfolio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um i mean it's like saying you're looking for companies that will be unicorns right so you're looking for them to have that potential um so that's so we're looking for companies that are addressing a uh, a kind of a wedge of carbon emissions that is half a gigaton and that they plausibly could um get rid of it using their technology now many things might happen there may be competitors or you know there might be different technologies that achieve the same goal uh and that mean that they don't end up being that technology but you know if everything goes well um and if they manage to achieve their their goals and their milestones then they would be you yeah, they would have a plausible bet to be like the dominant technology in this area that achieves that reduction of carbon emissions. Um, so, you know, go on. i oh, sorry, you had a question. No, no, go for
0: it, please.
1: Um, and there's a couple of important things there that we kind of then have to refine and say, right, we're only counting emissions where your technology is likely to be the one that a customer would pick. So whether that's like you, you have a... You know, you have a hope of being the cheapest, or the best, or the fastest, or the one that's most preferred by the regulation make, regulatory framework. Um, so, you know, because otherwise, again, you it's not plausible that you're going to get a big chunk of of that market, um, and that you have some kind of defendable advantage. So, on the whole, for us, that's going to be technology, like um, either IP or know-how or something along those lines. Um, so, you know, though, you have to have those two things. Um, and, you know, we think that goes hand in hand with being a profitable company, you know, that that if you're going to build a big, important company that will address this wedge of carbon emissions, it's going to be a valuable company as well. So, you know, we, we look at the techno-economic analysis and, and, you know, financial forecasting, but on the whole, those two things should go hand in hand. That's our, our thesis. Um, and then, you know, we're looking for the team that we think can get the technology to that scale so you know looking for those awesome founders with that big vision um big ambition um and the necessary skills to get the technology there and again it might not be that the founding team takes that technology the whole way but um in that case we're looking for founders that you know ideally can grow with the company um and if not are going to have the humility to know when the right time is to to, to work with other people to to deliver that vision
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so can, maybe this is a, a good segue to, to understand a bit better part of your portfolio if you can give us like uh, maybe one or two examples of uh one of the, the previous investment that uh, you guys did and uh, and. In a way, like what make them special? Uh, how did you find them, or how do you source, in a way, your uh, your deal? Yeah. And uh, and and what do you offer to those uh, founders coming mm-hmm. to uh, um, to pitch you? And then when you decide to invest with, uh, I mean, into the uh, into teams. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so yeah, I'll, g- I'll give an example that I am um, often about, which is a company in the US called uh, Lilac Solutions. So I invested in them as an, as an angel investor. Uh, I found them at a pitch event, uh, a conference called Verge, uh, which is about um, the, the energy transition uh, in California. Uh, they're one of the companies pitching, and they just totally head and shoulders above everybody else. Like the quality of the, the entrepreneur is really apparent. Um, and it's kind of really a model for the sort of company we like to invest in, in that, you know, the, 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 the guy whose um, PhD the, the company was based upon um, became the CEO. So he was the technology brains and the CEO of the company. Um, and uh, he was so passionate about what he was doing. Um, it was just very, uh, very exciting and energizing to, to listen to him um and they had this insight which was that you know we've got enough lithium for now but um you know if we're going to have all these evs and all this um battery storage we're going to need a lot more lithium and there's going to become a crunch point in a few years time where the supply of battery grade lithium is going to be um, the bottleneck for um, scaling evs and moreover it's going to become the next gasoline so it's going to be a national security issue if we're getting all of our lithium from chile and argentina which we we were at the time from these very high um lithium uh concentration brine resources um and it took two years best part of two years to get the brine out to get the lithium out of the brine through evaporation in a process that was very um, environmentally unfriendly um, and obviously very costly so they would developed a better method using ion iron exchange um beads and resin uh that took half a day it was cleaner cheaper less energy just better all around um and worked with much lower concentration lithium brine resources which means that you're unlocking resources across the us um and across the rest of the world uh so you know it's strategically important as well as um you know logistically important so um you know it just it kind of ticks all our boxes in terms of you know novel technology defendable ip um Will enable part, a very important part of the zero carbon transition in the electrification of um, of transport, uh, and a founder that f- seemed to us like you know had the necessary capacity to grow with the company and take it all the way, um, and we invested in their pre-seed round uh, four years ago, and they've just closed a Series B, um, 150 million, so 150 million dollar Series B, which is like pretty phenomenally massive Series B, <laughs> but the really cool thing about that that journey is that you know. the the pre-seed was angels, you know, the seed was um, climate tech funds, Uh, the series A was um, bigger climate tech funds, you know, like breakthrough (laughs) and lower carbon. Um, And then the series B is a pure financial investor, T. Rowe Price, who's one of the biggest fiduciary investors in the US, Uh, you know, pension funds and institutional capital at its finest. And, you know, for that, it seems now to me like that's such a great playbook for how climate tech is coming of age, that it is now um, interesting to pure financial investors uh, once the technology has been sufficiently de-risked. Um, so, you know, I think that's a really important um, part of of that journey as well. Um, and I'd love to give some examples from the, our UK portfolio as well, if uh, if we've got time.
0: Yeah, please go, go for it. And, and, and like yeah. also to, to understand a little bit more uh, after that is like, how do you support those founders? I mean, uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the, the conversation that uh, your experience helped uh, help us to, to, you know, to, to, to grow and to manage like all the different parts and hats that they need to, to carry at uh. the beginning of uh, as an early stage. So I think it's also very, uh, very important for other founders listening to, uh, to the show to understand, uh, okay, uh, with Pippa, I know that I can do A, B, and C and she's yeah. going to uh, help us or help yeah for us on that side?
1: Yeah, so we, we, look, we try and help all the founders that we, we have contact with. Um, sometimes we just don't have the bandwidth and we have to be a little bit firm about saying like, no, sorry, this just isn't for us. Um, but we always try and signpost people across to other investors that we think could be a better fit for them or kind of tell them why it's not for us so they can address it if they think that's, if, if that's important to them. Um, so the, the companies that we, we are investing in, um, we, we have... Taken board seats um, in the kind of earlier stage companies. Um, generally, with the kind of slightly later stage companies, more like the seed or late seed, uh, we will often work with other investors, um, and then we'll kind of work out who's best place to represent that company. So maybe it might be us. Um, sorry, to represent the investor interests in that company. So it might be us, or it might be one of the other investors. And if that's somebody we trust, then you know we're not precious about that. We'll work with them. Um, so you know it. it when we're dealing with very early stage companies, often you know they they've not had investors before. They don't know how to talk to investors. They they might have a problem kind of trusting somebody from the outside coming in, um and you know all of the kind of governance aspects around like you know how do you um, operate a company? How do you have board meetings? How do you send out investor newsletters? You know kind of just what what do we do now? Do we how aggressively do we try and expand and grow or like are we should we be more cautious or you know all of these kind of fundamental questions around the the early months of the the company, yeah, you know, that's that's what we are, you know, what we've been building up experience in, um, and you know, what we want to try and help the company, help the company with. Um, you know, ultimately, the the biggest value add we're going to have for a company is helping them on their journey. So, um, helping them get that next round of funding in is so critical to f- get the right partner so that they're aligned, um, you know, going off on their journey, whichever direction is best for them in the technology. But, you know, finding that investor with them and really working hard to have those relationships in place um, and have a kind of re- good view of the the ecosystem of what the p- possible options are um, and helping the, the companies to kind of land that next investor um, and then kind of pass, passing the baton on to the investors who specialize more in supporting a company at Series A stage.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, In terms of um, the sectors, uh, which are the the most promising for you today in terms of like what Mm. I call ICR? So I mentioned to you impact uh, cash return, meaning you're building impactful companies while creating highly profitable business. Do you see any underdogs, subsectors, area that you are the most excited about?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because climate tech, you know, is is definitely having its moment in the sun and uh, there's a lot of interest, a lot of new funds, a lot of uh, cash piling in. Most of it's kind of later stage, which is great in itself because that is a critical kind of signal for earlier stage investors to get involved, to know that there are later stage investors and exits, you know, there happening right so so that that's great um but in terms of sectors you know there were some areas which are really hot at the moment um so like direct air capture of, uh, of carbon is one so um you know the last few companies we've we've spoken to in that area like there, there hasn't been room in the round for us um and there were big investors getting earlier and earlier and earlier because they're so keen to get into like direct air capture technologies and it ends up being a bit of a bun fight. Um, So, you know, in that sort of situation (laughs) on the whole, we're we're just going to kind of pull back and say All right, we're not adding any value there if um you know if we're up against whatever breakthrough energy and they they they're bidding for a place in this round that's fine they they can they should take that um and we'll go off and focus on something that we think is um you know maybe the the next opportunity area so maybe it's going even earlier um and we have invested in a really awesome um direct air capture company at uh incorporation stage so you know very you know it was as early as you could get really um and again, you know, there might be investors who aren't willing to take that that level of risk. So you know, we think that's something we can help with. Um, so it might be going earlier or it might be going to um, different geographies. So with our new fund, we're planning to expand um, and there are certainly sorry, expand across Europe. And there are certainly some countries where the VC scene is not as developed as others. Um, and so, you know, we might be, again, able to um, support a country sort of support a company coming out of one of those countries. Uh, where they don't have so many funding options, but they do have what we think is a great opportunity. Um, so, you know, new countries, So, going earlier, new um, geographies, and then kind of the sectors where the rest of the market hasn't quite kind of woken up to the need in a space. So an example I often give here is um, grid hardware, so, like, we see so many companies who are building AI digital twin simulations of, you know, how to control the smart grid, and they understand the issue that we now have, you know, millions of points of generation um, on the grid. Uh, a lot of them are intermittent, and then we have these huge loads coming onto the grid, like we have, you know, heat, air source heat pumps, electric vehicles. Yeah, so the the nature of um, supply and demand to the grid has fundamentally changed. Um, It's going to keep changing and it's obvious that we need more capacity. We're going to need probably at least three times the amount of capacity on the grid to electrify everything. So how do we do that? It's not AI is going to be great, (laughs) but it's not (laughs) the whole answer. (laughs) so, So what are the smart ways in which we can upgrade what we've got to make the most out of it and kind of equip it for that smart and resilient grid of the future? Um, so we've invested in a really fantastic company called Ionate who are developing a drop-in replacement for grid transformers Um, that enable dynamic variation of power and voltage control um, and correction of power harmonics and reactive power so they're going to enable that kind of smart routing of electricity um, and clean up the the um, signal so that you get more out of the the power lines um so in, increasing the capacity and, and giving the control that, that we need um and you know it's but it's it's just not as sexy is it talking about you know great big hunks of metal <laughs> <laughs> as it is talking about direct air capture um and you know it's it's uh you know sometimes um, going to be a bit harder work to to get them you know, off to the races uh, and get the customers over the line. And um, so, you know, that's the, that's the kind of opportunity that we might be looking for. Um, and in terms of, you know, where we think there's still that white space is where we need more technology innovation. Um, so grid scale energy storage is, is a big one. You know, we still don't have anything better than pumped hydro, which is you know crazy. Um, there's a lot of really interesting technologies out there. A lot of people trying out things like gravity or compressed air. Or um, you know, d- re- uh, flow batteries, um, lots of different things going on. So no clear winners yet, and there might be again different um, energy storage solutions that are suitable for different applications and geographies. So it might be a case that it becomes quite a decentralised market. Um, so we think that's a really interesting space. Um, direct air capture, we've already talked about. We're gonna, but we're going to need more, <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> and we need it. We need it to be cheaper. So that's we still see um, opportunity there. Um, what else uh so hydrogen so getting the cost of green hydrogen down again that's becoming quite a hot space but we we think there's still opportunity there at the the early stage um food and agriculture is a huge one or kind of land use more broadly like how do we get carbon back into the soil how do we solve the methane emissions from from livestock um how do we like control the way that we um create you know produce and use fertilizer to to reduce the emissions from that sector. So, you know, there's a lot of innovation, again, happening in that space at the moment. um, And lots of possible solutions like, you know, cultivated meat or biological fertilizers. So that's that's a space we're watching really closely. Um, Yeah, so, you know, there's there's a lot of, there are a lot of sectors where we think we still need a lot of innovation to get to net zero. Um, And there's still space in, you know, electrification of transport, you know, we, We're not going to keep, we're not going to stop investing in um, lithium battery innovations if they can, if we think they genuinely can make batteries cheaper and faster and better. Um, Yeah, that's definitely a a multiple shots on goal because it's so important.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of those uh, in very interesting and, and exciting insights. I think uh, there is, uh, as as you mentioned, there is still like a, a lot of area where uh, there is a lot uh, of uh, investment and innovation to uh, to to do and, uh, and and to allocate. That's for sure. So. Uh, we all know, and uh, especially more like going from the, the the corporate world, there is a lot of like what we call greenwashing right now. Uh, and even the you mentioned that as well uh, at the beginning of the show, like those uh, uh, venture capital uh, firms uh, jumping into the uh, uh, climate tech. Uh, why? Because maybe it's cool, maybe there's opportunities, maybe uh, it's uh, something that they really believe in. But um, there is always this uh, this difficult part of it. It's like the the how do you measure impact? Uh, and you mentioned that uh, you are using this, uh, this framework like uh, Gigaton as uh, Breakthrough Energy Ventures using. Uh, but do you have any, can you tell us a bit more about like the, the process or the, the framework that, uh, that you use? I mean, yeah. do you rely on scientists, uh, experts to validate the, the tech and the impact yeah. or um, do you have any criteria in terms of CO2? You mentioned the, the Gigaton uh, threshold, yeah. uh, maybe social impact. Tell us a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so as mentioned, we, we focus on this half gigaton scale um, potential or carbon TAM, as we, we call it. Um, and, you know, we, we start off when we're looking at, you know, a list of companies at a pitch event. We'll start off by thinking about it in terms of, um, you know, are they genuinely addressing an area that is approximately 1% of global emissions right now? Um, so, you know, if the, if they're not, then it's just that they're not even making it through the filter. Um, and, you know... Sometimes it's worth having a conversation about that, because it might be that they've got a platform technology that could be used in, a, in more areas than the, the beachhead market in a way that's not um, instantly obvious. Um, so, you know, that's a kind of rough rule of thumb that we're looking at. Um, and then we kind of apply those kind of sense checks of like, well, and is this likely to be like the chosen technology in, on grounds of um, performance or cost or regulatory pressure? Um, and do we think it's defendable if it is? or are there going to be a million companies doing this? Um, so then we'd go into a more detailed look at the, the carbon um, emissions reduction potential. Um, so we our first pass is that we use a tool called Crane, C-R-A-N-E, that's crane-tool.org. Um, and that was developed by an investor in the US, the Prime Co- Coalition, that uh, that we learn a lot from investing alongside as angel investors. And um, they've worked with a number of other Um, investors and kind of independent research institutes like the Rocky Mountain Institute um, to develop this tool the crane tool which is open source anybody can use it and it's the only tool I'm aware of that's really um, designed to evaluate the future impact of technology innovations so it's you know perfect for what we're doing so um, we, we look at that and it has you know hundreds of different scenarios of like different templates that you can use to say right let's say we've got something that is going to um replace uh plastic um this kind of this particular kind of plastic feedstock um so we can look at the scenario they've got there and they've got template data and we can tweak it to look at different geographies or um you know to say right well what if we think it could accelerate it by 10 percent or 20 percent or you know we can um Kind of play around with it and get comfortable with um, how big we think the opportunity is, and then we we'll go on to um, do more detailed analysis and like get data from other sources. You know, there's lots of great uh, data out there on the internet um, from you know publicly available sources like the, the I, IEA um, or you know the Good Food Institute for the food and ag side, or you know lots of great resources um, where we can kind of triangulate and sense check what we found. Um, and ultimately build up build our own spreadsheet to say right yeah we, we think this makes this adds up and we think the opportunity is there um and we generally would involve the entrepreneur in that because they're going to have they're the best insight about you know the 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 life cycle analysis of what they're doing um and you know uh, if they think we're kind of judging them fairly or not <laughs> um and and then then we put that as part of our due diligence report um and we we work with a, a fund manager to um to administrate our fund and so ultimately we have to convince them that that the, the technology does meet that half gigaton threshold because that's what we've said in our information memorandum that's our promise to our investors so so to, to our lps if you like so um, if we're not ticking that box, then our fund manager won't let us invest in somebody. So we we can't, you know, pull the wool over anybody's eyes or just say, oh, I really love this team. Let's just kind of squeeze <laughs> this one in, even though even though I think that what they're doing is not going to have the impact we're looking for. Um, so they kind of, they keep us honest. Uh, and we're, we're very, um, so I work with, uh, you know, I should have mentioned this previously when we were talking about how we kind of on the journey here um so you know when i when i decided to set up the fund when we came to the uk and saw the need for it um and wanted to scale the impact um i started working with my husband at that point was my business partner in the fund um and he brought some really um great skills to the to the fund uh and is possibly even more analytical than me um and um, i think we really keep each other um Keep, keep our feet on the ground in terms of the opportunities um, and really hold each other accountable to, to that first principles thinking of like, is this really solving a fundamental problem or is it kind of a technology just looking for a solution? Um, or does it just sound good, but it's not really gonna have that impact, you know? so so uh, he and he's the one who uh, focuses on the the carbon emissions and sure we we would um get external experts involved if we needed that we haven't felt like we needed that yet um but we do work with um scientific specialists to help us with the technical due diligence in areas where we don't feel so confident for example the biotech side um so uh, so that's that's the, the sum of our answer is that we, we use a number of different tools to help us get comfortable around that half gigaton figure. Um, we do look at social impact as well in that we do a, then a kind of screen against all of the SDG indicators. Um, and we look for anything where we think there's a big negative, potentially a big negative impact. Um, so we make sure that we're not, you know, inadvertently, whatever, cutting down the Amazon to, to deliver this clean hydrogen or whatever it might be. <laughs> um, however, you know, sometimes we, you know, we do have to get comfortable with the fact that the technology, if we're investing in technologies that we think are going to fundamentally change the way that we 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 feed ourselves, for example, um, that's going to have a huge impact on a lot of the world uh, and the way that people earn their money and, you know, feed their families. So, you know, if we're investing in a, say, cultivated meat um, company, like what is that going to mean for the many billion people in the world it is that are smallholder farmers Um, you know and what is it going to mean for people on lower incomes and what is it going to mean you know for for people who are just trying to feed their families so you know so and sometimes it's going to be well you know there's going to be a lot of uncertainty around that because we can't know the future perfectly but we can just say right we think this is going to be better than what we're doing at the moment and um, we we're, we're doing what we can to identify and neutralize those those negative impacts
0: so I really like the, this whole uh, holistic approach that you take for the for investment. How long does it take to uh, to, to from the, the first pitch to the investment decision yeah. with uh, all of this work in between?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's our biggest learning with this fund is that every deal has taken longer than we thought it was going to. <laughs> like, um, so, you know, I, I think coming from angel investing and, pre, and pre-COVID, and things just moved a lot faster. And you could be a bit more like, yes, I'm investing in this company and didn't have to write up a big old due diligence report and, you know, make sure that we really could um, be held to scrutiny for our decisions. Uh, so for sure, it's more work. Um, but just the deals have been slower. And I, I don't know whether that's more the European pace of life or... Um, the uh, the effects of covid possibly a bit of both but uh definitely like it's gone from i think you know in theory we could do it in a month um but in practice i think the fastest has been probably more like three months so um you know we we've set ourselves up to try and be really nimble (laughs) because it's really just the two of us making the decisions um but you know we still have a level of um, research that we need to do to be comfortable with the the decision, and then write it up and go through the process with our fund manager. But uh, yeah, in 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 practice, it's it's never been the limiting function. Our our due our due diligence. It's normally been getting other investors over the line, and then wrangling the legal stuff, and then negotiations, and you know, just everything going on and on. And then HMRC with their advanced assurance, and you know, all of that good stuff. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but thank you for sharing uh, all of those uh, interesting insights. So I have a, more like a, um, uh, an opinion co- question, and uh, like to hear a little bit more your opinion regarding the 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 uh, I would say the. The place that uh, women, uh, the role that women can play into the the, the climate tech ecosystem and in, in you know the fight against uh, climate change. I mean, we see the, the parity uh, even it sounds that in climate and climate tech in a way are well, more than 30, 35 percent, but uh, in the tech uh, ecosystem in general or more around like 20, 25%. So how do you think that uh, could change and what is blocking this, uh, you know, um, uh, opportunity to have more like incredible women like uh, like you uh, into the into the field?
1: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, we think diversity of all kinds is important and it's a problem if feces are a bunch of, you know, old white guys sitting around a table making a decision. There's a problem on so many levels. Um, so, you know, we're... We're, we're really happy to be um, you know, a, a woman-led um, VC and, you know, I uh, the part of the reason I do a lot of, um, you know, try and do a lot of these panels and podcasts and whatever is, to to raise to raise the profile to, to to hopefully kind of inspire or be a role model to people who come from different backgrounds so you know I'd worked in financial services before but I, I wasn't a VC um and you know I want to demystify it and so right especially you know I think early stage investing you know y- yes you need to have the right skills yes they can be learned <laughs> you know like you know you don't have to have that um that VC background to to become a VC um and especially you know to try and encourage more women to become angel investors, because I think a lot of women have the skills of bringing something different to the table, you know, different insight, a different experience. Um, they have access to, to, to capital uh, and they would make fantastic angel investors. And I think often just haven't had that idea or um, don't have the confidence to go into that, that room, which is going to be mostly male and um, older, or perhaps, or um, and, and, you know, have a voice in that room and be saying, asking different questions. But, um, you know, we think it's critical that that happens because, like I said, diversity of all kinds will bring different questions to the table um, and bring, evaluate the risk from different perspectives and make better decisions. And so, you know, companies who aren't doing that are leaving investment performance alpha on the table. So, you know, I, I really love that there are so many companies out there now who are working hard to make sure they have different voices on their investment um, team. Um, and, you know, we definitely see that, uh, that there's so so many more um, women investors in, um, in clean tech and investors from different backgrounds. Um, and, you know, we've heard from entrepreneurs how important it is that that they're, they're, they're facing people who... Um, you know, are coming at it with a with a different energy. Um, so, you know, we 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 just want to keep on um, supporting women to become angel investors, to become fund managers, and to you know to get into the space, and then to talk about their experiences and hopefully um, demystify some of uh, the 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 process. Um, we uh, we where we don't see that happening. Um, you know, one of the areas is in uh, you know, in in startup CEOs, where we see a shocking l- lack of diversity coming through when we go to any pitch day, when we look at any pitch deck we get sent. You know, it's it is, you know, I I'm going to say about eighty percent male, and in terms of the CEOs, probably more like ninety percent. Um, so you know, we we're we're trying to address that. I have a side project with two other awesome women, um, clean tech investors called Five Thirteen. So we're trying to bring. Um, gender equality, SDG 5, to climate action, SDG 13. Um, and so we, we circulate a newsletter once a month with um, with female led startups in it, in it um, to clean tech investors. And it's, you know, it's a small thing that we can try and do, but uh, hopefully just bring a bit more visibility to those companies. Um, so, you know, we'd love to see uh, more companies kind of leaning into that and having that intent of like, how do I get more women into my funnel? Um, how do I get more diverse founders I should say into into the funnel how do I make sure I'm evaluating them fairly and equally um and how do I make sure that that I end up with them in my portfolio or in my investing team on but on both sides
0: Thank you so much. It sounds like a, it's an incredible uh, movement that you are launching and contributing to the 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 the, the more equality, uh, gender equality into the into the ecosystem. Super uh, super exciting to see that. So, regarding the, um, let's go back for my last question here. Like the the climate crisis uh, in itself, what is your, your personal view on it? Are we are we doomed? As I uh, always uh, like to ask, I mean, what would you say to to people who feel demoralized by all the terrible news and, and already visible consequences uh, of climate change.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's pretty depressing, for sure. Um, and it's looking very bleak. <clears throat> you know, honestly, w- what gives me hope is seeing, like, the mechanisms of the market swinging into action. So it's it's great when you have inspirational people like, you know, Greta Thunberg and David Attenborough and, you know, uh, pe- people like that who inspire everyone and and things by me you know <clears throat> but but the actual like proper heroes of this movement to me are people like mark carney who are like going out there and fighting for and getting imp- implemented things like the task force for climate related financial Disclosures. always get that in the wrong order um, and is now fighting for the biodiversity version of that and and getting it in there make making the uk um you know say that they're going to require that for all companies um and getting those kind of standards in place because if all companies are scrutinising their carbon emissions, that will lead to a change of behaviour. Um, you know, we, we we need consumers to act, of course, but we also need to make it easy for them to choose the right thing. And if every choice on the supermarket shelf, or you know, in the in whatever shop, is um is a better choice, you know, it's it's a virtuous cycle. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, that that kind of movement is fantastic. So, you know, all of the, the the activist shareholders who are holding companies like Exxon accountable by voting in people onto their board. I mean, it's just amazing stuff. And that there are companies, there are investors out there like BlackRock who are supporting that and writing their letters to to, to investors. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible. All of that is driving up the cost of capital to do anything relating to fossil, fossil fuels. It's making it almost impossible to get insurance. Um, you know, and those are the mechanisms by which you know change will happen. Is is through is money? Cynically, that's how it is. Um, and then we see all the companies talking about what they're doing and how important it is because they realise that's how they're going to attract and retain talent, especially with them. Um, you know, younger generations like they're not going to go and work for a company that's 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 doing doing bad stuff. Um, especially if they're saying that they're actually doing good stuff, but really they're still doing bad stuff. So, you know, it's 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 really important. Um, all of these different signals, um, all of these different choices are important. But what really gives me the hope is that the, that the money is shifting.
0: Thank you so much. So how can the, the community of uh, investors, founders, experts around the world that are listening to the show can help you, uh, help you in uh, zero carbon capital today? What's your
1: ask? Yeah, so if I ask, um, so uh, well, we're currently um, putting together our second fund, um, and we're looking forward to kind of uh, bringing um, a bigger focus to what we're doing. So we're going to be investing across Europe now. Um, And up till this point, we've focused on developing our our networks and relationships in the UK. Um, So I guess that's our ask is um, to anybody out there who's um, spotting some of these awesome entrepreneurs that you think could be a fit for us um across Europe or in the UK um please just let us know um so we have an open submission process because we're trying to remove um network bias so anybody can go to our website and fill in our entrepreneur form um and let us let us know about their company and um we we promise to, to respond to you and um yeah just just let us know about the the great founders out there who are doing um you know creating inspiring technologies
0: Thank you. So any question I should have uh, asked you and I did not for this part of the interview?
1: We talked a little bit about greenwashing and what can we do? And I think uh you know I'll go back to um you know Al Gore's second book and film <laughs> which is about <laughs> speaking speaking truth to power. Um so you know I think that's a big part of something that everybody can do is just like to call out that That BS when we see it and say, right, it's not okay for our prime minister to go to COP26 and say, oh, you know, I don't really want that coal mine to happen, but, you know, it's not my decision. I can't do anything about it. That's not okay, you know? Like we, it is not okay for you know the biggest banks in the world to say, oh, yes, we're acting on climate change, but they still have the majority of their assets invested in, in fossil fuel companies or companies that aren't scrutinizing their, their carbon emissions. So, you know, we I think we all need to, to stand up to the people who are in any seat of power and hold them accountable for, for when they're saying things which are, are contradictory um, to their, their stated goals of acting on climate change because you know, without calling that kind of behavior out. Um we, we won't see the, the change.
0: Thank you. I think uh, we all need to, uh, to go to vote when we have the opportunity for, uh, for it. That's for well, sure. And uh, yeah, we like can vote with our wallet as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's really the biggest individual thing that anybody can do is, is like move your pension if you have one or your bank account if you, if you don't um, and, and change who you vote for. You know, make sure that's part of your decision
0: thank you so much thank you so much people for, for your time and your uh, incredible insights on the, on the industry I'm so excited to see you know so many uh, brilliant uh, women and people like, like you putting so much effort to, to move the, the ball towards a, a better and cleaner world so uh, thank you so much
1: thank you thank you for having me on today Gael
0: Hi, it's Guillaume again. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As I said, do not hesitate to share an episode with a friend. Also, if you value the work we do for the climate tech ecosystem, here is how you can contribute to it. Today, I'm asking for your support and a donation, a sponsorship, to make the work of our self-funded team more viable. Even a small contribution means a lot to us. In any case, I will invite you to subscribe to our channels and visit our website startupdiscamp.org to discover more episodes like this one and get your membership to access all our members' exclusive content. So remember, all of this is possible because of your support and donation. And we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. Let's keep in touch and I hope you will enjoy our next show with us.